writing is the best healing that I've found in everything because not only do you get to tell a story, but you get to pick up an instrument or a drum and then put it out there and then get some accompaniment, some collaboration, some other instruments, some other harmonies, and it just is, whoa, there's nothing like it. First People's Fund presents the Collective Spirit Podcast. The Collective Spirit moves each of us to stand up and make a difference, to pass on ancestral knowledge and simply extend a hand of generosity. The Collective Spirit Podcast features Native artists and culture bearers who discuss the power of Indigenous art and culture. Uh, translated to my name is Tosh Terry. I come from the Navajo, French, and Irish background of ancestry. My traditional people that I was born and bred and raised and influenced by come from Big Mountain and Black Mountain on the Navajo Nation. I was born in Shiprock, and that's how I am a woman today. And my artistic creative mediums are music. I love to play guitar and write songs and sing. And I also love to write. I love to write fiction, plays, poetry. And I also am a bass player and a guitar player. And aside from that, I love um, three-dimensional communication. So I'm an ASL interpreter and I am also the co-founder and artistic director for Indigenous Ways. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. So between those three, I keep myself really busy, and then I have a bunch of other stuff going on the side as well that keeps my heart ticking in a good way. And you know that whole story arc, the tragedy befalls, and the hero or the heroine comes in and saves the day. But what was really influential for me is that our deity... Asanatle is changing woman and is a feminine character, if you will, with all types of different attributes with the ability to go from youth to uh, aged, seasoned, elder, to be able to go to the four seasons and to be able to go in between the male and female parts. And to really encapsulate that hojonjigo, the beauty way, which is the harmony and all of that. And then just as a little child going, oh, where do I fit in all this? You know, where does my belly button belong in all this? And it really had an impact on me. So I started to become very creative at a very young age. And then I found myself in a terrible accident at the age of 16 where I fell off a cliff and I lost the ability to play varsity basketball and back then break dance and just move with my friends. I was suddenly homebound in a bed and homeschooled. And at that point, I hit a big stop with any ambition at all. I wanted to die. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to, if I couldn't play basketball, play my guitar, dance, I just, I, I was paralyzed. So from that, my mother bought me a guitar. It was a 1953 Stella guitar from a garage shop in Winslow, Arizona, and she brought it home to me. And that guitar just stood looking at me. So eventually, I finally just out of pure desperation and boredom, 
picked up that guitar and started to play it. So when I got the feeling back in my legs, I was uh, being raised in Salee. Back then it was called Navajo Community College. They now call it Diné College. I met some musicians on the campus. And by this time I was kind of a, I should have been in 11th grade and I was homeschooled in 11th grade, but I was also starting college. So my mom wanted me to have some interaction. So she had me go to the local college and take some classes. And that's when I started to meet musicians and they started to teach me basically bar chords and I got into heavy metal. And then from then and then just history was made with music for me. And I haven't stopped since. And I also wanted to mention that I met in that time a deaf woman and a deaf man. They were a married couple from Lukachukai, and they had two sons. And those little boys spoke three languages. They spoke sign language to their parents. They spoke Navajo to their traditional grandparents that were medicine people, hand tremblers and so forth. And they didn't learn English until they hit um, the school, and then they had to I just was so influenced by just the communication and interaction between those four family members. The two boys was the mom and dad, and the way they communicated with their parents and that they, how they spoke to each other was in Navajo language. So I decided to ask the family if they would teach me sign language. So I also started that right about the time I started music and haven't stopped since as well. And this led me to wanting to give back. It feels like a duty uh, as an ASL certified interpreter to give back to our deaf and hard of hearing indigenous people. So we decided to bring ASL interpreters into our movements, our concerts and our nonprofit events and festivals and done stuff in Australia and prisons and youth prisons. And my partner, Elena, used to work in a youth prison as a teacher. So she's got connections there in Australia. But, you know, back down to why I got into why I got into is because I've seen a lot of beauty in what the mainstream society would call poverty and sadness. I see so much power in those broken down trucks with medicine pouches in the console and eagle feathers hanging from the Rearview Mirrors has so much more meaning to me because it has culture, it has ceremony, it has language. And it is beautiful. It is beautiful. We need to be proud of who we are and we need to own it. We need to walk with it. And then once we get that, I feel like we need to give it back. It's that reciprocity pool. And I'm always very cognizant of cultural sensitivities and one of a big thing I've been thinking about lately is how people talk about other people, how people tell other people's stories. And really the question to me is, is that your story, Tosh? Is that your place? And do you have a right to speak on that behalf? And what my people have taught me is that I'm a representation of the Navajo culture wherever I go, wherever I travel, but also that I am a visitor in any culture I go into, including the deaf and hard of hearing culture. I am a visitor there, and I need to know my place in that. And when I go to another tribe, when I go to visit my partners, people in New Zealand, the Maoris, the Samoans, and we go to the Aboriginal lands of Australia, I am a visitor. I don't say, I don't tell, I don't speak, I don't anything. I listen, and I try not to ask too many questions. In fact, no questions if I can at all. Which brings me to 
the idea of songwriting. Songwriting is the best healing that I've found in everything because not only do you get to tell a story, but you get to pick up an instrument or a drum or even just sing a cappello and then put it out there and then get some accompaniment, some collaboration, some other instruments, some other harmonies, and it just is, whoa, there's nothing like it. You can always go to our website, indigenousways.org, just one word, indigenousways.org, and there is a video clips of over 200 presenters, concerts, festivals, And you can also partner with us and become a part of our world family to bridge cultural exchange so that we can drop walls of separation and learn to decolonize everything from uh, funding practices to shutting doors. I mean, of course, some ceremonies is like you, this is, these are the protocols of this ceremony. So not everybody can go in there. I mean, that's a very respectful thing. But to purposefully shut people out because they're white, they're Indian, they're black, they're gay, they're fat, they're skinny, whatever, they're woman, uh, they're man. You know, it's like, no, you know, we don't want to be exclusive. It's like everybody's welcome to our platform. And the only thing we ask is to be respectful of others. My challenge is me. My challenge is me because sometimes I get um, caught into the little girl, um, the little hurt girl, the little traumatized girl. And when that little girl jumps in the driver's seat, I actually know when she comes awake. And that's my hurt child. And when that hurt child comes awake and starts steering my direction and making my choices for me, I know it's not healthy uh, because then I know it's based on fear. And that fear is based on a place that I might have experienced as a child, maybe uh, my mom getting beat up or, you know, domestic violence or an act, something happened in every child's life as they were a kid that leaves a lasting impact. But the most important thing today is for me to acknowledge that, call it, and not be defined by that. But that, if anything, is what stops me. And um, the fear will stop me. And I know I'm not alone. So I like to put voice to this so that people can realize, as I say this, if you hear this and you feel this, you're not alone. I got it too. If you've got it too, don't let that be the stopper of going in, going to another country or trying a different university or um, trying a different kind of relationship or jumping into a new nonprofit or, you know, just just something. If there's a fear, it's just realize it's just that. It's a fear. And um But because of my healing work and my red road work and the service I put into the community, I've been able to address those fears and just go, okay, this is what it is. You're an invisible demon. You live in me. You're not real. Go back to sleep. I'm going to go try this. Well, first of all, I want to thank First People's Fund for the opportunity to um, focus on my artistic and creative expression because as of late I have been um, so involved with community and service which is just the best prescription to healing really and uh, with First People's Fund this funding allowed me to just put all of that aside and sit down and write a song write another song write another song and write another song and write a song, write enough songs to do a, another album. So this will be our collective 
uh, ninth album that we're going to be having produced in the next month or two. I would not have been able to do this without First People's funding. But this First People Fund just allowed me to nourish my creative heart, my beautiful spirit, and my 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 beautiful mind. And uh, to be able to say that, to be able to say that, uh, despite the little hurt girl that wakes up every once in a while. So the First People's Fund is doing amazing work with a bunch of indigenous people of all ages and uh, generations and all cultures um, to uh, be able to revive their weaving, revive their beading, revive their uh, canoe making, revive their uh, poetry, just to get, you know, it's just, it's just a nice, it's just a nice infusion of, you know what, you're worthy, you count, and your voice is important. And it's not just me. It's everybody out there that is receiving this funding from First People's Fund. So First People's Fund, thank you, thank you, thank you from Indigifem and from me, Tosh, which of course I represent um, Black Mountain. I like my legacy to be that I was able to bring to awareness the need for access and communication. And access and communication has been by um, bringing ASL interpreters to the stage for indigenous people to see, even if people don't understand sign language, even if they don't have a deaf relative or a deaf child, but for them to see those interpreters up on the stage that have rehearsed the poetry for Joy Harjo, that have rehearsed for Buffy St. Marie, that have rehearsed for Keith Sokola, for Sage Bond, that have rehearsed it and to be up there just putting it in 3D. And even if we don't understand it, to see that up on the stage, to see that access happen for the indigenous people where little did we know, do we know that sovereign nations do not have to apply Americans with Disabilities Act to the reservation lands. So there's a big misunderstanding there that Oh, we take care of our own. Don't you worry. Federal government, that's your law that you signed in 1990, call Americans with Disabilities Act, but we take care of our own. But you know what? We take care of our own means we don't provide interpreters in the ceremonies. We don't try to provide interpreters at the chapter meetings. We don't even know sign language at the breakfast table where we have our little deaf child with us. But we love them. We feed them. We keep them warm. And and the same thing with the schools and uh, mainstream. It's like the, we need to support our all people with everything from wheelchair ramps to Braille to ASL interpreters. And we need to think of a way to look at that law, whoever wants to go into administration, which is not my forte, but to say, okay, how can we make this a requirement on all 574 federally recognized lands. If anybody is born differently abled with a challenge for communication, we must make access for them. That's what I want to go out with. Oh, and I write good songs too. Thank you. The Collective Spirit Podcast is produced by First People's Fund, whose mission is to honor and support Indigenous artists and culture bearers through grant-making initiatives 
culturally rooted programming, and training and mentorship. Learn more at firstpeoplesfund.org. Thank you.